Hi, property investor. How are you doing? I am so excited that you are here with me today on the NC Real Estate Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host. I'm the founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club, for landlords and property investors who want to build a property portfolio that completely aligns with their goals. And if you didn't know already, I'm going to be opening the members club at the end of this week. Huge secret, but I am actually going to be doing it. And if you're interested in coming and joining me, then the doors aren't actually going to be open for that long. We're going to be closing them again fairly sharpish. So if you want to be first on that list, then do make sure that you subscribe to the Members Club waiting list. And I am going to put the link underneath this podcast. So make sure that you click on the link below and you subscribe so that you know exactly when the doors open and you can join straight away. Now, this week, I am so excited because I am joined by one of my bestest friends in the whole world, Rach Cass. Hi. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> and the reason that I've got Rach on the podcast this week is because we've both recently moved home and we both pretty much moved out of London now, although I will be changing flats over and buying somewhere else, but you have permanently moved out of London. And we both had completely different experiences and we thought that actually we'd have a talk about it because we've learned some things along the way. It's not been the easiest of things <laughs> to go ahead and do. Agreed. And as with anything, it requires a lot of planning, a lot of preparation and a lot of upheaval. So these are our top tips of how to move home and also the mistakes that we made along the way, some of the things that just really didn't go right and the things that really did go right and what we would do again if we were going to do it. Because after all, for you, you're probably thinking, well, currently I'm living in a property, I'm gonna rent that out, and you might be moving on to the next property, or simply you've got things in a property and you need to take them all out. So we're gonna share our top tips with you today. But first off, Rach, you used to live in London. We used to live in London together. Where have you gone? Um, so I moved from North London to Manchester, um, took a career diversion maybe yeah. is the word, or pause, um, and decided to go back to university to do a postgraduate degree um, and decided that I wanted to be closer to home and home is the Scottish borders, so decided to move to the West Country, well as in west side of the country, to Manchester. Exciting. Very exciting, <laughs> slightly traumatic as well, <laughs> at the same time. We moved about the same time, didn't we? Actually, you I think with... within about a week of each other, yeah. maybe. I moved, my official move date was the 24th of August. Okay, so we were three weeks apart, because yeah. I moved on the 14th of September. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, it all was a bit of a blur. Did you enjoy it? Do you enjoy being in Manchester now? Love it. Yeah. Love it. Definitely the right decision because where I lived before, I lived in where I worked. Mm -hmm. So was lucky enough to have a one bedroom flat where I worked. Um, disadvantage was that I didn't necessarily leave the building and go outside some days. Yeah. Um, but the benefit was it was super cheap rent in London, which you can't really complain at. Um, disadvantage was then trying to find somewhere to live that would accept me because I didn't have rental 
like I wasn't paying rent to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I needed an unfurnished flat, which can be a little bit traumatic when you're trying to find somewhere to rent as well. Yes. So it wasn't the quickest of moves. You knew for a while that you were moving, right? Yeah. So the company I worked for, I had to give three months notice to. Yeah. Um, I knew that I was starting university on the 17th of September. Mm-hmm. So I handed in my notice. I think it was about 24th of April, I think. Yeah, so ages It ago. Like, literally feels like years ago. And then about the same time, I think you decided you were Looking. jumping to the other side of the Atlantic, potentially. Yeah, it was in discussion at the it time. It was in discussion. Nothing was formalised probably yeah. until July. Yeah, yours was quite quick, actually. Yeah. Um, and then, so I had three months, but actually couldn't really do anything because rental properties in Manchester don't really come up until sort of six to four weeks before mm-hmm. they're available. So there wasn't really much point in me looking for stuff in April when actually I needed it for August. Yes. So I left work on the 31st of July and had a month of effectively being homeless but my line manager was amazing at the time and let me store my stuff in a flat in London um so that then I could go and gate crash with the parents in the Scottish borders <laughs> which I, if anyone knows the geography of England is a good six hour drive yes. so not convenient at all <laughs> <laughs> so let's discuss moving because we've both been through it so you packed up so quickly and moved. Literally within the space of a week, you'd got your stuff together and it had gone. But how much preparation did you have to put in before that? Um, so probably the month before I left work, I was in free time kind of looking at my stuff going, I really should put you in boxes, but I really can't be bothered mm. to put you in boxes because actually the TV is really interesting, um, <laughs> which is reality. Um so I did bits and bobs, like did the stuff that I didn't really need to use. And then because I went home after I finished work, I decided to basically blast it in a week. Um, and my mum was amazing. So mum and mm. I basically came down. And yeah, you're right. Literally within a week, we'd packed up an entire one bed flat. Um, we managed to do a gin tasting in the same week. Like I managed to go and like see you and other friends as well. So like there was other stuff going on. Um, but like being prepared helped because I think doing it like starting from scratch on that Monday it would have been chaos so you know what was going where yeah and so Amazon was my friend so I'd ordered like you can buy basically 15 meters of bubble wrap in a roll Mm -hmm. so I had that I had like 15 packs of packing tape I had cardboard boxes coming out of my ears I knew you know, the valuables and the breakable stuff where they needed to be packed and kind of had a bit of a system going. So I, I knew everything that needed to be flat packed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky in the sense that I didn't really have huge furniture. Um, the biggest furniture really that I was bringing was an armchair and a big chest of drawers because my bed flat packed. Yeah. My mattress was probably the generally the biggest item, a double mattress. Um, but yeah, kind of the packing took a week. Okay. And you did you did it all yourself, didn't you? Yeah, did did all of the packing myself. And how far in advance did you book your van? So who did you... Tell us about the moving saga. Cause was... Oh, the moving saga. <laughs> Am I allowed to mention brand names? We probably shouldn't because we've not figured it out. Okay, so I used a company. Um, a very large high street company, which once the complaint's gone through, we should probably say. Complaint's already gone through. Oh, it's already um, gone through. Yeah. Um, I basically 
Well, I wanted to hire a white van. Yeah. Because I love driving white vans. And I'm very good at it. Thank you very much as well. <laughs> um, but my darling mother decided that that wasn't a good idea because she was going away that weekend. So I would have to do the actual physical move myself. Okay. So she helped me pack, but I had to do the physical move myself. So she found a company online that if you type in house removals into Google in the UK, it comes up top. Yeah. Um, and the price was too good to be true. And it really was too good to be true because they weren't great. Should we actually say, because I've complained too, and we, so is Any van, basically. Any van is the company that I used. Um, the price was amazing. Um, although weirdly, when we did the first quote, which was the end of August, it was £400. Mm-hmm. But then the actual price that I ended up paying was 618 in the right, space of yeah. 10 days, the price suddenly went up. And I thought I'd book them to collect on one on the same day as delivering. Um, but the saga unfolded that actually it didn't turn out like that because they contacted me to say they were going to collect in London at between two and four on Friday. But as I was driving from Manchester, because I had to pick up the keys on moving day, so I had to do everything in reverse because yeah. I had to go... Scottish borders to Manchester, Manchester to London, London to Manchester. Very backwards way around. But anyway, so on the drive from Manchester to London, they phoned me to say that they weren't going to be collecting at all because they were ready at 11 o'clock and I wasn't. So I got a little bit grumpy. (laughs) So then they told me they weren't going to collect. So I was driving to London with potentially no one picking up my stuff that I'd just spent a week packing. Yeah. Which is great. Um to then have a shirty conversation with some guy high up who was amazing and he managed to find a van driver to come and collect but they collected at about five o'clock on Friday the 24th of August um and it was a good three hours drive minimum to Manchester so they decided to deliver it on the Saturday morning now if anyone doesn't know because Rachel didn't know but the 24th of August was bank holiday weekend and I didn't know that, so that was fun. So I spent probably about nine hours on the 24th of August on a motorway. So they made me homeless effectively for a night because I had a key for a London flat and a key for a Manchester flat, but no bed in either. Yeah. So not ideal. So the moving wasn't great, but once yeah. the stuff was here on the Saturday, fabulous. They clashed epically with Ikea, delivering a sofa and a table and chairs, but it was fine. Once my two vans had driven away, then reality set in. That you'd moved. That I'd moved. From London to Manchester. From London to Manchester, single-handedly, by myself. <laughs> and I, my life was in boxes. Your life was in boxes. So Literally. If you had to do it again, what would you change about that? I would hire a van and do it myself. And Would you actually do it yourself yeah. next time? Yeah, and I, would... I would 100% do okay. it myself. Um, or I'd either 100% do it myself and rope in a friend that didn't mind lifting stuff with me, or mm-hmm. a couple of friends. Yeah. Um, and bring them along for the journey because you know it can be quite good fun or I would find someone that I knew that had a van to do it yeah even if that meant hiring them from the Scottish borders to drive down to London to go London to Manchester like I would have sucked up the cost of that yeah because it's a trust thing isn't it yeah exactly um especially because I ended up about 140 quid out of pocket because of the company's mistake 
yeah. but it's fine. I got a ten pound refund, so it's all good. <laughs> that was the issue, wasn't that it? That was the issue. That was the issue. So if you were to move again, yeah. Where would you start? Would you would you even would you move cities this far away from each other again? Would you be scared of doing it? No. Was it no. okay? Yeah, it was fine actually. I would. I don't think the distance was a problem. Mm-hmm. I think it was the timings and the logistics around it. Yeah. Um, I found it quite overwhelming because I was doing it single handedly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was quite isolating. Yeah. Um. Especially because I didn't really know anyone in Manchester. Like, when I moved down to London, I knew you. Like, you were in London. I had a couple of school friends still in London. But I was literally moving to Manchester. My parents were out of the country. Yeah. And I knew nobody. And it was Bank Holiday weekend. It was also Pride weekend in Manchester. So there was a lot of, like, overly, like, happy and, like, people to be often not working. Great. Mm Mm-hmm. And celebrating, and there was me, like, with my life just completely upside down. So how did, what did you do? Like, what was the first thing you did when to, like, get out and, like, stop the loneliness? Um, that is a very good question. I think I phoned quite a lot of friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, I phoned quite a lot of friends, and I wrote a few letters, when I could find the stuff to write a letter with. <laughs> um, and then... I think I just, well, actually, to a day and a half after moving, my really good friend Kayla that we both went to university with, she came yeah. um, and was with me for sort of 24 hours and helped me build sofas. So kind of the loneliness thing was only really one night. Yeah. And then she turned up, which was amazing. Um, But then when she'd gone, I was like, my life really is in boxes. Yeah. And it was just a case of just get stuck into unpacking them because I'd packed them three weeks ago or two weeks prior, so I couldn't remember really what I had. So, yeah, I think it was just unpacking boxes, really. And it helped you so that once it was all out of the boxes, yeah. you felt better. It took me a good two and a half weeks to get everything sorted because I did it slow and steady. Um, I prioritised certain boxes over others, <laughs> like sorting your clothes out and getting my gin collection out. Yeah. Obviously. 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 Um... Yeah, I just kind of took it so and steady, really. And then potted around Manchester and then decided that actually once I'd moved to Manchester that I was going to go to Wales and to Scotland and not really be in Manchester. Yeah. I did that as well, didn't I? You did. Came down to Bath and went to London. I did everything other than being in Manchester for about two weeks. Kind of just to make sure that... Also, you were seeing everybody. Yeah, which was stupid because I'd had three weeks off doing literally nothing at home and I could have done it all then, but... Hey. It's scary moving to a new city, right? Yeah, but then, come on, like, I literally moved, what, three and a half hours away. You went, not three hours away, but you went across a massive ocean. Yes. So how was your experience different to mine? Well, I was moving to a new city. Yeah, so that's the same. So it's the same. Tick. You didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. Tick. Tick. I had Chris that we moved across the country country and a, and a wonderful dog and a wonderful dog she came after a couple of days people have been asking me about this actually <laughs> how did you get the how dog how did you get the dog over well okay, so um as rach said it was kind of fast there'd been things in the pipeline about america but nothing had really ever come to fruition i kind of thought we would be in london for a lot longer than we were um 
Yeah. Chris has always needed to be in in America. That's kind of been his thing. Yeah, um, for a long time. For a long time. But it's not... Um, it was never something that I had ever thought that I needed to be there, to be honest. Like, it wasn't... Um, I guess I'd always thought that I'd be in the UK. Um, yeah. And then as of about June, July time, yeah, it suddenly turned into something that was more serious. And I started having to really think about what are the logistics around this? Can I do it from both countries? Can I still be a present figure in the UK, but also have a base in the US? What did that look like? Yeah. Um, I was so lucky that the university supported that. Yeah. Because uh, they were the first, actually the first people I went to were Lionheart, who I do the wellbeing seminars. And I explained to them that there may be a chance that I would be uh, in New York for extended periods of time it wasn't that I was going to be there permanently but I would be there for extended periods of time um and they were really good about it actually they were they were very understanding they um I just felt like I owed them to tell them first because they'd always been so kind to me and I loved the I loved the cause I loved being an ambassador and it was kind of like I get on really well enough with them to have that open conversation next I had the conversation with the university and well, Just, that could have gone either way, That really. could have gone either way, but they yeah. were so understanding about it, actually, in the end, yeah. which I was really pleased with. So then I got flexible working with them, so they they were really good. So that was kind of like two tick boxes that I yeah. thought that may be more non-negotiable than they were, but a complete uh, negotiation turnaround. And I started thinking about how it's going to work. So I spoke to Sean, who is my development partner, who I do developments with, and we were actively developing, and... He said to me, well, actually, you know what? You do mainly administration work and you do all the back end stuff and the strategy. So it doesn't um, matter where you so are. So it doesn't then. matter where you are as long as you've got the... Uh, Wi-Fi and a computer. <laughs> yeah, Wi-Fi, computer and the uh, knowledge about the building. So I would need to come back to inspect the buildings um, to start off with. But then yeah. he kind of takes over anyway once we get into the development stage. He does the building works. And then it was thinking about my property portfolio what was I going to do about my property portfolio and um actually I put some really good systems in place so that I can manage it from anywhere I travel a lot anyway um agreed yeah I have a lot of holidays on an annual basis we see a lot of places in the world Um, and I always work from those places so that kind of made me think okay fine um I can do this um and then the members club, but then the members club as well, I can run from anywhere in the world because again, it's a global thing. I have members from globally. I run everything online. So kind of had set myself up already for these things to work, but I'd been so nervous about that. Like it yeah. really made me feel quite anxious that maybe because I wasn't always going to be in the country, that would be a bit more like, I feel like a bit of a fraud. So I was, that was really, that was my biggest kind that of- That was your biggest my, imposter syndrome coming out that maybe I wouldn't be as good if I wasn't right here where I'd always been um and then from there because it was Chris's company who needed him to be out there for those of you who don't know Chris works for Facebook so they wanted him to be out there and they kind of started then just organizing everything they sorted out the visas they sorted out the removal company we had a great removal company called Sterling who um the day before we moved, they come and picked everything up that we wanted to take. Now, I didn't take everything to New York. We, I split most of the furniture half and half, got rid of some stuff um, and put a lot of stuff around other properties that I have um, whilst yeah. we're selling our property in Putney. Um, 
So Sterling picked everything up. Not only picked everything up, but photographed everything. Oh, yes, they photographed everything. They photographed and everything. And they wrapped it all together. That, like, it's amazing. It was amazing. Like, my shelf, my shelving units, everything on it was kind of pictured exactly where it was, and they kept hold of it. So from a moving company point of view, oh my gosh, they just came in and did yeah. it all. I mean, that traumatised summer. Absolutely trauma. Do you remember that? It's too Well, I was there when we dismantled a very large wardrobe and that traumatised us. So moving a one bed flat into a box probably traumatised her even more. She was so upset. She didn't know what was going on. We were giving away some of the stuff. She she kind of believes that all of the stuff that's in our house is (laughs) actually hers. Oh, yes. And you get the look of you're sat on my sofa. Yeah. You're sat on my thing. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Why is it now a bed? That's where I sleep. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no one's allowed to sleep on her sofa. Yeah, no agreed. one's allowed to sleep on her bed, even though she's got other little, like, cushions and things slept, uh, dotted around. Um, yeah. So that moving side of things is fine. Dismantling things was a bit of a faff. I'd Again, I'd, yeah. I'd hired any van to come and move the wardrobe. To well, that was a place. saga in itself, And that it? didn't happen. Did it? I ended yeah. up having to give a really expensive wardrobe away last minute because that just didn't happen. Nobody turned up. Yeah, but that was that was really bad because we didn't talk about my... Well, you knew about my situation, but you didn't know the company. Yeah, exactly. And then we went out for dinner the night before the move because I came to stay with you. Mm-hmm. And then we worked out that it was the same company. And they basically were like, hey, we've not got a driver for you. And you're like, well, it needs to move tomorrow. Yeah, that was chaos. Yeah. That was one of the worst days of moving. Yeah, I was going to say, like, for, and I witnessed half, like, a little proportion of it. That was one of the... But what was the ironic thing? I walked from your flat to Putney Station, and what drove past me? One of their vans. Yes. Sneaky photo was taken. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Rachel. Yeah, so that was, actually, that was the most traumatic thing, because we couldn't rely yeah. on them. You know, everything from yeah. a really expensive company, and I think you get what you pay for here. Like, I'm sure of that. Yeah. Because, you know, Sterling moved everything absolutely fine, and lo and behold, four weeks after, mm, no, scrap that, six weeks after it had left the UK, because it took a while to get through um, customs in the US. And had... also, didn't they have to stay out in sea for longer because of the hurricanes or something? Yeah, something had happened. So... Uh, the boat had got delayed. I mean, that's quite an impressive journey for furniture, isn't it? Just going to chill out in the Atlantic <laughs> while a hurricane passes. Yeah. And no damages. No damages when it got to the Which US. is amazing. No damages at all. That was amazing. That was the perfect bit of the move. Um, summer, what do we do with summer? So everybody who listens knows that summer is in New York at the moment. Um, summer, my gosh, that was easy as well. So we used a company called Pet Air UK. And Catch you know. Pet Air UK. And they took complete ownership of summer's move. So we had to book for summer to go on a flight. Well, the only thing that we didn't realise was that um, pets cannot go into the US via the hold on a weekend. They won't admit them. So that was one of the biggest problems That's we had. That's a really random... Because apparently too many pets go through. So ah, you're only allowed okay. to book them on certain flights. And Didn't you have to book her flight like super far in advance, like more far in advance than yours? Yes, she had to be booked first. That's so bizarre. Isn't that bizarre? I mean, probably fair because other than a suitcase, what else do you normally put in the hold? No, but, okay, so um, to be clear, we weren't going to fly with Summer in any old hold. 
we I'd only picked out that she could fly in Virgin because Virgin have dog holds, which is um, climate controlled. So they're not in the cold, they're not in the hot, they're just in room temperature of around 20 to 23 degrees. Pet Air UK then take her measurements and they make this beautiful crate with this lovely flooring and lining um, for the dogs to sleep in whilst what, like they're travelling. The spoke? The spoke crate. That was the most. Did you expensive. get to keep it or not? Yeah. Amazing. That was the most expensive part of getting her flown across. A dog flight is only one hundred and twenty nine pounds. Well, I say only, but that's not expensive, really. If you're well, no, no, well, not when you think that adding more baggage can be that. Yeah. So a dog crate with a dog in it on Virgin at the moment or on that flight was one hundred and twenty nine pounds. Yeah. Then the crate, which yeah. was six hundred pounds bespoke. <laughs> That's how much I paid that wonderful van company. Um, she's a very lucky dog. She's a very lucky dog. Um, and then because uh, we had had everything booked to move on the Friday and she couldn't fly until the Monday, she went to daycare for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday until she got on the flight on the Monday. And Pet Air UK looked after her at dog at, uh, at um, Windsor. Like this doggy daycare oh, near fancy. Windsor, fancy. and it was we went to see it beforehand, so we knew where she was going, and it was just fields where they could Amazing. run around in, um, and then she went through all of her pre-flight checkout checkups at daycare. Amazing. So all of her um, health and safety stuff, yeah. her rabies vaccine, which she needed, that was all done in those three days, and she was happy. Then she flew on the Monday. And what happens is with Pet Air UK is that she's taken in her crate um, from the daycare to the airport. Yeah. They obviously have to go via the cargo terminal, but they take them straight through onto the tarmac and sign her off that they've put her in the hold. And then you get notified. Then we get notified that she has been signed off and put in the hold. I guess the only scary thing for me was that they have to be on the plane an hour and a half before it takes off. Yeah, but if it's climate controlled and she's in a very fancy cage. <laughs> yeah. Or crate, not a cage. Crate. So it's a wooden crate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they got on the flight. Um, the, we were told when the flight landed, so it was all fine, all yeah. chilled. Um, then we got her about seven o'clock that night, so probably three and a half hours after the flight had landed. I was in, I was expecting to have her an hour and a half after the flight landed, so yep. I was like in bits. But actually what had happened is the guy from Pet Air who was in the US who was taking her off the plane um, yep. had said that what he had done is driven the van onto the tarmac to wait for this plane to come in because once they get to America, they don't have to go through quarantine or anything. It's fine. We'd already had all the customs forms done, so the Americans had already got it. Um He'd gone onto the tarmac and opened the hold. Like, as soon as they, the, whoever at ground control opened the hold, he'd put his head straight in and straight up to her crate to make sure that she was okay. And she was so happy, apparently, with having someone there. And then he took her for a walk around the tarmac for an hour (laughs) just to get her to stretch her legs because she'd been probably asleep. Um, And then from there, they just signed off the paperwork. She had a love Yeah, she was really happy. Bet Uh, she barked on the aeroplanes as well. 
I thought she probably did fuck all the airplanes. She's not very good with loud noises. No, she's not. <laughs> she's not very good with a Hoover, bless her. But anyway. And then they bought he bought her to us, and we had all the paperwork that went with that. And the captain had also written on the paperwork. And the only time mm. she'd barked because they can see and hear into the dog hold, um, was when it came into land. So apparently she had been asleep for pretty much all of the flight. Amazing. Um, and when she got to us, she was as excited as she ever possibly could be. Yeah, because she probably was very confused as well. And just saw your face and was like, oh, this is exciting. This is exciting. Where this am I? This is exciting. So that yeah. also went really well. So the move itself was fine. But if I had to do it again, yeah. I would probably tell myself to just kind of take it on a step-by-step basis. Because the longer I stayed in America for, the more confident I get got with the fact that I could do everything that I was doing previously. Yeah just from a different almost kitchen because I work from home most of the time and then I kind of when you put it like that yeah yeah but I was so scared but it's the fear of the unknown isn't it yeah really especially because my move was completely my decision and I was moving by myself and Mm -hmm. it was me moving from one city to another yeah you were going along obviously wanting to but you were going along with Chris yeah who he had the job to go to. Yeah. And and his and but the company that he was gonna go work for were amazing because they sorted out the logistical stress of stuff. Yeah. You just had the that in like the fear of the unknown of like, well what I can't answer what if. What if this goes hap- goes wrong? What happens if that goes wrong? Yeah. And but it's I, the same process but five hours behind. Yeah. And it, I mean, the tape, it was scary moving to somewhere new. Because also, yeah. I'm such an independent person. I don't want to depend on Chris for anything. No, exactly. I'm there because I want to be there. We're there to support him. But at the same time, I need to have my own life. Um, yeah. And so I've really just been making an effort to go to RICS networking events and making sure that I'm catching up with the developers that I know over there. So my kind of, my property lifestyle lives on, but now just in both yeah. continents. So Which I, is great. Which is really good. But I'm also not very good at saying no to opportunities. So I just keep saying, oh, I want to find out more about this. Which is great though. Which is good. Because it gets you out the house as well. What about the whole, because when you moved out there, mm-hmm. you were lucky enough to have a flat rented for was it like four weeks yeah and then you had to find a flat how was that finding the flat bit um how did that okay so because obviously you didn't have any furniture which is a good thing because you were renting yeah um I think it was more stressful than we anticipated it being yeah um so because I don't have any credit history or anything in the US, I'm I'm a permanent UK citizen. That's always going to be my yeah. kind of thing. Um, not even, like, I like being a UK citizen, but I don't have the option to be a US citizen. It's not like I can go over there and start working or anything. At the moment, it's not something Yet. that I have access to. Um, Chris was kind of had to be in charge of, you know, all the monetary side of us moving over there. I can't have my name... My name's declared on our lease over there. We're renting over there because we don't know what it's like. I'm not yeah. going to just move over there and put, you know, a million pounds into a flat and think, oh, yeah, this is nice. We're going to be here forever because I don't think we are. Um, yeah. So the finding the permanent flat, we had four weeks from the date that we got into America. And we were given a broker <laughs> um, by 
Facebook. They recommended yeah. this broker. And I have to admit that it wasn't really that much help. But it wasn't, it's not on our fees. It wasn't on, you know, it was fine. That was all arranged prior. That was just part yeah. of the moving service, I guess. Um, and it was hard to know where we wanted to go, but I definitely knew that we wanted to be near Prospect Park because that is the only place in New York where I could let the dog off the lead. And she is used to going out for walks for three or four miles. Yeah. Just me and her pottering around a park. That was kind of, that's our thing to do together. Yeah. And to then have a dog that's used to being off lead, on the lead the whole time, I knew I was going to have problems unless I found somewhere yeah. where she could run around. So my whole move was guided by my dog. Um, really? Yeah. But is that not true with any people or any person that has a dog? Do you Even, think? Yeah, mm-hmm. massively. If you think about UK renting... Mm-hmm. Like, I found it relatively easy because it literally was just me. Whereas I know people that have dogs that really struggle to rent. And you actually end up going, well, if we just buy, then we can do what we want. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. I let dogs into my rental properties, actually, because I think yeah. I like having dogs. And I know yeah. that if you look after them well, they don't do anything. Like Yeah, they're not going to eat everything. No. So. Um, so summer was our main priority with this move. And... Yeah. Um, the broker knew about that, but I also did a lot of research into what flats we could afford. New York yeah. is incredibly expensive compared yeah. to the UK. Yeah. Incredibly. Um, and I was shocked, even compared to, comparatively with London. We could not... Um, it's not that we couldn't afford the rent in central New York. We didn't want to afford the rent in central New York. Do you want to pay seven to 10000 dollars a month in rent no i don't want to pay seven to ten thousand dollars a month in rent it's not no i can think of way better things to spend (laughs) that money on exactly so we're out we we just we settled on brooklyn out near prospect park that was where we wanted to be great for the dog fast train lines into central manhattan so that chris can get to work yeah ideally two bed it was always going to be a two bed (laughs) give you some space give me some space give me an office um and because we had to move so quickly, I had one day where I looked around apartments and actually in New York they do things differently whereas all the new build apartments have got great amenities. And so once yeah, we started amazing. seeing that they had these great amenities, I was like, well, I want top of the range amenities if oh, I'm God. going to be out here. <laughs> yeah. So then I was like, well, it's not usual for them to have in-unit um, laundry. So wash or dry, you wouldn't normally have in unit. But I was like, I'm sticking to my guns. We're having it because we have it in London. I have it in every single property I've got it that here. I have. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not the best, but I have it here. It's fine. <laughs> so I'm not compromising on that. So that was the first thing. Second yep. thing, I wasn't compromising on two bedrooms. And yep. I did not want the second bedroom to just be a small bedroom. A box. A box. Because we were moving a bedroom across from the UK. We decided to bring all of our furniture because at the time we would bought it, we'd spent Rather a lot of money. Rather a lot of money on it. Um, <laughs> well, because it was, yeah. It was beautiful. It's always beautiful. I think I'm going to keep it forever. Yeah. Um, it's a very nice bed and a very nice furniture. Very nice chest, very nice bedside yeah. tables. Brilliant. Um, so the requirement was two full-size bedrooms. Two full-size bedrooms near a park. Yeah. Or Prospect Park. With amenities in unit. With, um, with laundry in unit. Laundry in unit, sorry. A gym in the in the apartment block as well, because rather than having to pay to go somewhere else, you might as well have it. I mean, if the rent is that expensive, why not? Yeah. If you can get it in. Um. So we wandered around a lot of buildings around 
Um, Prospect Lefert's Gardens. Yeah. Crown Heights. Yeah. Um, and around the Flatbush Avenue side of things. And discarded a lot of properties. And eventually we settled on the first one we saw. Is that not what always happens, though? Always happens. It's like trying on dresses. We always go back to the first one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so settled on the... And this building has... Um, it has a dog run in the back. And a dog run is like a dog park. Um, it's a very dog-friendly building. It's got a gym. It's got a yoga studio in the basement. It's got um, a cinema room on the seventh floor. It's got shared workspace. It's got um, roof deck on the top of the building. And then it has... 33 flats left at the point in this block. This block's 155 units. Wow. When yeah. was it built? Like, uh, is it new, new? Brand new. Finished on the 31st of August. So you're the first people to live in that flat? First people to live in the flat. Oh, nice. Uh, we're on the seventh floor with a roof terrace, that a private roof terrace, which is the same size as our flat. With two bedrooms? With two bedrooms. With laundry and unit? With laundry and unit and a Tips. big kitchen. So it ticked all of the boxes. So and you're near a park? We're near the park. We're only three streets away. Three blocks, as the Americans say. Um, and only one block, one street <laughs> away from the tube station. So that was really that was really handy. Subway. Subway. Metro. I, I could call it everything. Yeah. I, don't, I get so confused <laughs> with these different roads. Just don't come back with an American accent and we'll be fine. Do I have an... I don't no, think I could really, ever really have don't. an American accent. And then, um, what happened? Oh, it turned out we were British. Shock. We were, really? Really? Did you really? not realise we were British? And they tried to force us into a guarantee guarantor scheme. So if you don't have any credit history, they expect you to pay one month into a deposit bond that you're never getting back. Ever. Essentially, you're just chucking away X amount of three and a half thousand dollars, or just over. It was one hundred and ten percent of that. So that That's was random. It was very weird. So that was the first thing that we kind of kicked off about because um, it didn't matter that we owned property in the UK. Didn't matter that we both had jobs, businesses, secure income. Nothing like that. Didn't matter. It was the fact that we didn't have a US credit hit check, which was so tough. Um, did you fight it? Yes, we did. Um, of course you did. And ended up the broker gave us their fees because they'd not told us that that was a cost that we needed to pay. Wow. We, yeah, we, we ended up getting that money back. That's good. But then we paid, we had to pay one month rent up front. Yeah. And then we had to pay um, our final month's rent as well. Huh? Yeah, so we paid the last month's rent. We paid the first month's rent. You're on a 12-month contract? We're on a 14 months contract that can be broken, um, but with two months rent free. Yeah. So essentially we're paying for 12 months, we're getting 14, but we can break it. That's really weird. The reason they do it, and I think property investors over in the UK should take note of this, is because obviously you have a higher... If you if you say you're renting it out at 12 months at three and a half thousand dollars, but actually you net it back um, to 14 months. So then you divide 12 months of three and a half thousand over 14 months. Yeah. The rent is actually lower. Yeah. But you're charging a higher rent. So if you're charging the higher rent, the investment value on the block is higher. So you can get more funding. 
So what they are trying to do is maximize the rent that they get in so that they now, once they've rented the whole block out, they can then use that to invest in the next block. That's really clever. Clever, easy. That's how but they do their investments. Potentially me, yeah. I wouldn't know that because I'm not in the world of property. No, and it's, it, standard. it's standard. Is it standard in America? In, in America? But oh, okay. people wouldn't necessarily know how you would do, why you would do that. They would just know that that's probably something that's on offer. Um, and did you have to pay a deposit? Did you say? Because obviously in the UK you pay a deposit. Yes, you do. You have to pay some sort of deposit, and I can't remember for the life of me what it is. But it's um, also deductible off the last yeah. couple of months' rent. And then we paid a deposit for electricity. Um, the electricity is the only additional thing that we've got to pay on top of the rent. Wow, okay. Gas and water included. And then obviously, like, phone slash Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah, then... I've got phone and Wi-Fi with Verizon and negotiated a good deal. And they came in within nice. six days and put it together. So the only stressful thing was just filling out all that paperwork. And, oh, don't talk to me and, about paperwork. And trying Actually, to figure out, like, guarantors. Paperwork was fine because it's non-existent. In the, in the UK. It's Did you all, do it online? All electronic. Mm. Which, having worked for my previous company for about eight and a, well, eight years, and it was quite a paper-heavy company. Yeah. Especially when it came to contracts and just signing stuff in general. Yeah. Um, to then go on to, is it sign a document? Docu- yeah, doc- DocuSign. DocuSign. There you go. Um, yeah, weird. Especially because you do it on your phone. And I'm like, this is a legal document that I can just randomly sign. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, see, this is what I, I would recommend. All of my tenants, that's what I, use, I recommend as well. Yeah. In America, you have to sit there in front of, an, um, in front of a legal person who can and para- ov- yeah. oversee everything. Paralegal? Paralegal, or, yeah. yeah. That's what I was trying to think. Yeah. reference. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So you have to sit there in front of them and sign everything with them yeah. witnessing it for you. Completely different. Yeah. So it was all far more formal, far more hoops to jump through. Um, it's happened. I think... Would you move to another country like that again? Do you, Right, okay, so here's that. This is a better question. Yeah. Do you... Because you've moved from Bath to London. Yeah. I know you went from house into a shared house but anyway and you've moved within London and you've also moved London to New York what was the most stressful and do you think it's more stressful moving across an ocean or within the same country it would definitely be more stressful moving across an ocean if someone wasn't doing it for you okay so your circumstances helped massively our circumstances helped I wouldn't do that if it was just Chris and I deciding that we're leaving the country yeah. I would literally get rid of everything and, and just start again. pack some suitcases and take yeah. that plus the dog under my arm. That is that In her is, very fancy crate. In her very fancy crate, which she still uses. So I've made it into a table because she uses, Amazing. She uses it to drink... Um, it's a very expensive table. <laughs> well, now she can travel around the world in it. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So it's been... T- it, it, was, it was just getting everything together. Yeah, and I have to thank Chris a lot for doing a lot of it because yeah. I um, have been very preoccupied with business, and now that we're selling that flat, um, yeah. um, so I'm going to be in the UK more often, trying to buy another property or another couple of properties. Um, so I'm glad that we've got that sorted as well. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. So it's been a, yeah. a good couple of months, but now you're settled here. 
Are you glad you did it? Yeah, really glad. I think one of the more one of the stressful sides for me, other than the actual physical move, was actually trying to find somewhere to live as well. So like, um, estate agents are great. Yeah. Not all estate agents are great because that's a very sweeping statement. But the ones that I was talking to were great. So you'd get viewings booked in, and I was kind of doing it ad hoc on days off. So I was like, flying up. Not flying. I was on a train. Yeah. Um doing it in a day or trying to do an overnight if I could because I was still working so I was still earning money great but you're talking 90 90 quid return in the day from London to Manchester which is ridiculous when it's a two-hour journey <coughs> um you'd get everything booked in and then you'd be on the train and you'd get phone calls being like oh property at 12:45 has been cancelled property at two o'clock has been cancelled you'd be sat there with one viewing for a one train journey for a 90 pound train journey and the person inside me wanted to be like, but I've just paid £90. Obviously, you can't do that. Um, so I decided to stop stressing because I found a property in July yeah. at the beginning. Amazing. Within budget, close to the university, had car parking, was unfurnished, had two bedrooms because I wanted to be able to have like somewhere where I could do study as well. It wasn't yeah. a necessity, but I would be preferable. Um, but... The landlord, it was it was like a commercial landlord in the sense of it was a company, it wasn't a person. Yeah. Um. They just wouldn't budge on the move-in date. So they wanted me to be in Manchester for handover on the 29th of July. Well, I didn't finish work till the 31st of July and I knew I would be working like 10 days straight yeah. then, effectively. So I was like, it needs to be the 1st of August and they wouldn't budge. So it fell through. So anyway, so I left work on the 31st of July and came to Manchester for three nights and basically had three solid days of flat viewings. Yeah. And the first flat viewing I did on the day, well, I should have done on the day, but that was a bit of a kerfuffle because she took me to the wrong block. (laughs) Awkward. Was actually the flat that I'm sat in, like, that I'm in. Yeah. Living in. Um, Which is great. It's within budget. It's right next to the Etihad Stadium. Soon it's got a bit of culture and a bit of sport, and it's great. Yeah. And it took maybe 10, 12 days to get all the paperwork signed. Okay. With a move-in date of the 24th of August, which was fine. And if an agent could do anything differently, what would you say? Um, if the agent could do anything differently. If you, what, how would they help you? How could they help you? Like, we're talking to property investors here. Like, they had an agent. What would you love them to do? Um, talk to me. Yeah. A bit more. So, great. First initial phone call was instigated by me seeing a property online. Yeah. Hey, I want to come and view this property. So then they would go through the rigmarole of taking all your details on what you were interested in, putting you on the mailing list. And then that was it. Yeah. Like, I get that they're busy. I get that they're representing a lot of landlords. Mm-hmm. Um... But there was never really a pushback of, oh, this is on, there's literally just come on the market. It's within your, it was all done via email, which is fine, I suppose. Um, but it wasn't really personable. No. And the other thing as well is when you came and did the flat viewing, it was like, oh, well, I've got another 10 today. So you didn't really matter. Whereas actually they're representing a landlord and also it looks good for them if they can get the property 
signed off within the first viewing. Yeah. Annoying for the other 10 people, because I was probably one of those 10 people one day. But actually, if I was a landlord and I had 12 viewings one day on a flat, I would love it if within the first three it had been sold. Like, as it not sold, as in rented. Yeah. Or I had at least an offer on the table. But there was never, it was never really very pushy. So it wasn't like, you can sign up for this now? It no, was just the, only, the only estate agents were the ones that, for the flat I'm in now. She was a bit like, bless her, she got the wrong building to start with. She got the building next door, which I thought was a bit weird because we couldn't get in. But anyway, once we actually got in the flat, the guys that lived in it before me were in it. So you know when like you are looking around someone's house and they're in there, you can't yeah. really get a vibe for it. So I asked her that night because she gave me her personal number like her work personal number being like if you need anything just text me and I was like can I view the property again and she went above and beyond and she put my offer on the table and within half an hour of viewing it at six o'clock at night the landlord had come back and said yeah and I I knew that that day they'd had five other viewings of working professionals awesome so it's like good communication thing yeah good communication she was really upfront. she answered any questions she was literally there for me if I needed her. Maybe a little bit too much from her, like, work-life balance. But actually, like, she was amazing. Yeah, that's all you need. And she did her job in the sense if she managed to rent the flat. Fantastic. Done. And the landlord loves me because I haven't got a guarantee. Like, I didn't want to pay 220 quid for a guarantor just to say that I'll pay my rent. Yeah. Because I think that's ridiculous. But anyway, that's my opinion. Um, but I didn't have any rental history. Yeah. Since university, which was eight years ago, (laughs) the first time round, because I'd the company I worked for, I was either based at at home with my parents, or I was travelling around for two years, or I was living in the flat in London that I wasn't paying rent for. It was a salary deduction, so I put an offer on the table to say I'll pay six months up front, yeah, rent, which any landlords out there I'm sure wouldn't say no to six months rent up front, yeah. Um, and then either said I'll do rolling thereafter or I'll pay the next six months like six months later and he agreed to it Fantastic. he said that's what he'd prefer so job done great thank you very much so it's worked out all right it's worked out all right I'm gonna see if I can stay for a little bit longer as well fantastic what every landlord likes to hear yeah <laughs> you are welcome um one careful lady owner and all that well renter but yeah great don't regret it Fabulous. Only regret is the move. Yeah. But everything else, fine. Great. Amazing. Everything's unpacked. Sorted. Still got a few pictures to put on the wall, but hey, other than that. Jobs are good. Top tip would be lists. Yes. Honestly, lists saved me. Really? I would say, yeah, just like brain dumping so going right what is it that you need to do not that you need to do it now mm-hmm. but it's like so it's not just the packing but it's also like you need to phone the council to make sure you get registered for council tax and also for me excluded because I'm a student yeah um like electricity wi-fi because everything is excluded here like I had to source it myself yeah um car insurance yeah change Con- yeah car insurance content insurance um, all the stuff that if you do it day to day, you like take it for granted, but actually it was stuff that if I, cause I just wrote lists and I kept crossing them off. Yeah. That's such a good fine. idea. Car insurance was one of the most traumatic in the, well, it wasn't actually, it was more shocking really 
the first quote I got was three and a half grand. Literally because I'd taken general manager off and put postgraduate student. Wow. Yeah, I mean, obviously change your postcode as well, but three and a half grand. That's awful. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah. Great. I can't think of any... My Yeah, my top tips really is Amazon. Big up Amazon for bubble wrap. Other suppliers are available. And lists. Lots and lots of lists. I agree with you. And get rid of as much stuff before you move as possible. I think I got rid of the clutter by about half in my flat. Big up the car boot sales. The car boot sales, yeah. Love a car boot sale. Car boot sales were fantastic. Free cycle was awesome. Gumtree was great. I eBay. I eBayed so Mo- much. Momox? Well. Was it Momox with the DVDs? We got rid of all the DVDs. I think I ended up making just on like stuff. So books, DVDs, I think a few CDs, which is a bit awkward, but anyway. Um, a bike that actually wasn't, this sounds like I've been stealing, the bike wasn't mine, but it was in like a storage cupboard in my flat. Yeah. And I knew the person that had left it there for over five and a half years. And I'm like, well, they're not going to come back for it. And I looked at the bike online and it was worth about 300 quid. Yeah. New. And I thought, well, if I can get 20 quid, I got 20 quid for it. And I got 40 quid. Amazing. I was like, thank you very much. So I think all in all, I got about 140 quid. Uh, which, I mean, which given I was going from a salary living in to a student and no salary really, actually that was great. Yeah. And also decluttering before and also after. Yes, so, I I haven't opened some boxes I've just chucked. Yeah. So like declutter and pack, and then when you open the boxes, go. Do I need you in my life? Yes. And how long have I not seen you for? Yeah. I have a six-month rule on everything. If I don't use something for six months, I yeah. donate it. If we, if this was videoed, I could take you into my wardrobe, because I've got a lovely like wardrobe slidey door, and I've done the hanger trick of put them in one way, and if you wear it, turn the coat hanger around, and then after like four months, the ones that haven't been turned around, go to the charity shop. That's a great idea. That's my decluttering tip. Do you know, I've just been giving everything that I don't wear to to charity, to donations. Um, do you want to know something really sad? This is like the, one of the most disappointing things to remove. So I got a Dyson hairdryer, which <gasps> is like a little life luxury. And Amazing. I got that for my birthday earlier this year. Doesn't work in America. No. <laughs> it doesn't work in America. Why? Because of the plugs or just because, because of, the, of plugs, the cabling? Because of the plugs and it doesn't transfer over either. So I went into the Dyson store on Fifth Avenue and they said to me that it doesn't transfer but I could get a 20% discount off of a new one. Well, why don't you bring it to the UK next time you go to I've, the UK yeah. and then sell it because it's pretty pretty new? Yeah. Anyone want a Dyson hairdryer? <laughs> no, but I was no, thinking, joking. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it in the UK. It will go in whatever property I have in the UK. Well, that's very trusting of you. Put yeah, the prices up, can yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Um, Dyson hairdryer in Dyson Munich. hairdryer. Um, but yeah, so I'm not going to get a new one in the US out of protest. I'm just going to have an ordinary one again. Because 20% discount sounds amazing, but they're probably really expensive. $399 over there. 
That's three hundred. That's a lot of money for a... blowing hot air. Effectively, isn't it? Yes. Really. I mean, sorry, Dyson. <laughs> yes. But... So that was the only thing that I've really struggled with. Um, so that's that's on a trip back to the UK. At some point. At some point, and um, yeah. Apart from that, I've just been... one good thing about oh, yeah. my move. If we're talking technology, so my TV that I had in my flat in London, because my living room was situated. Oh, I worked in a hostel, or I yeah. managed a hostel, and there was a commercial kitchen in the main building and my flat was above that. Not as bad as it sounds, but anyway. And because of all the electronics and stuff that were downstairs, my TV never worked on BBC One and BBC Two. All the other channels were fine, and it would like go into like alien mode of like people's faces jumping all over the place. Here, perfect. It's great. Wow. I've got a TV that works. Phenomenal. I mean, I've got 5G as well. And I've got 5G. I'm not complaining about the TV not working in London because I didn't have to pay a TV licence because it was all included. But my TV works, so that's good. Fantastic. But other than that, there wasn't. there's nothing that I'm like, this hasn't worked, that hasn't worked. Yeah? No, that's the only thing. I took a Dyson Hoover to uh, America and it works just fine. That's weird that the Hoover works and the hair dryer <laughs> doesn't. Yeah. Is that maybe because it's newer? Um, no, it's because it blows hot air. It's a heating device. Heating devices don't work over there. But my GHDs work and my hair curlers work as well. So, you tell me. I don't understand it, but I'm not going to We're not going to go into the world of electronics. <laughs> That's for the next one, That's I'm joking. The, yeah, the next one we get together and put the rolls to rights. Yeah. So, actually, it's been quite a successful move. It yeah. was stressful during it, but it's been quite successful. Yeah. And I guess the key takeaways are that you can do it. Um, you just got to be prepared. You can do it. Believe in yourself. Check the calendar for bank holidays. <laughs> Sounds stupid. Also, you would think as an estate agent, you would let the person know that it's bank holiday. Just be like, hey, do you know it's bank holiday weekend? I don't think they'd think about it. I don't think they would either. You didn't think about it. I wouldn't, I don't, I sometimes miss bank holidays as well. I'm very I think I missed it because I wasn't working before it. Yeah. If I'd been working in hospitality, you don't get bank holidays are non-existent they're just busy weekend um yeah i think and like you can do it if you put your mind to it you can do it and it's about being open-minded i don't think i was open-minded enough because yeah i was so scared of letting so many other people down i was scared of everybody else and what other people would think that was my yeah. biggest problem yeah and now I've kind of grown into the confidence, but I would have only got that confidence through doing it. There was no one else yeah. that could tell me. Yeah. It, yeah. Agreed. And for me, I was taking a massive leap going back to university. Yeah. Um, but only I could do it. Yes. I knew I wanted to do it. I just faffed around because I wanted to go to, I was planning on going to university in 2017. Yeah. Um, but I faffed around because that's what I do. But I was given two bits of advice. Well, one bit of advice and then one sweeping statement. The sweeping statement was um, not to take it out on yourself about moving because actually, apparently, according to someone, I don't know who, the three most stressful things you'll ever do in your lifetime, in no particular order, is deal with a bereavement, mm -hmm. move house, mm -hmm. and, and or get divorced. Apparently, they're like the top three most stressful things that anybody can do. Yeah. And I moved house pretty much single-handedly. 
with the help of my mum obviously packing. Yeah. And the other bit of advice that my mum actually gave me was that take each day as it comes because it is only a day. Like so it true. is it is twenty four hours. So what happens if something goes wrong? It doesn't matter because you're probably going to go to bed at some point. You wake up the next morning and it's another day. That's good advice. I like that. Yeah. So 24th of August was one day. It was an awful day, but it was just one day. And then you can keep moving from there. Yeah, you just keep moving forward, don't you? Yeah. That was a good bit of advice I was given. That's a really good bit of advice. Well done, Mum. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, I think we should finish the podcast there. I think we've talked enough. We have talked about our moving our moving escapades yeah. um, I hope you've enjoyed it so like kind of a little um, look into our lives actually because sometimes uh, I could talk a lot about property investment but I don't talk about the things that actually happen on a personal level and this move's been a big thing and Rachel moving at the same time we shared it as we went um, and the pair of us moving out of London that was a big step it took us both a long time to even kind of get used to the fact that we weren't going to be in London as much anymore. I mean, you still go down, I still go back to London. I'm really glad that we moved at the same time. Yes, Because actually a huge part of me moving out of London and make, not wanting to do it was leaving people behind. Yeah. Which is stupid because I'm two hours away. Yes. In the grand scheme of things, or two and a half hours away. But I'm in the nicest possible way. I'm glad that you moved to New York at the same time. Not because you're not in the country, but as in, because then yeah. I felt easier for leaving I was the same it was kind of like okay so everybody's moving that's fine so it gives me permission to move to you exactly and things are still okay and I think from there as you said you take every day as you come and it gets easier on a daily basis and still go you can still go backwards and forwards it's not that far yeah for you it's quicker for me it's a little bit longer but it's still the same principle yeah and ultimately we've just said yes to opportunities and we're giving it a go yeah and you can do anything. All you can do. If something arises that you think, actually, yes, I think this might be a real interesting opportunity, then say yes yeah. and give it a go. Because you can always change it. Yeah, you can always get out of it if it's not right for you. But if you shut the door on an opportunity, it might, might never arise again. Exactly. And just remember, it's only one day. It's only one day. Let's end it there. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. I hope you've found it useful, or at least it's inspired you to uh, move to wherever you want to go. We've we've done it. And yep. it's, again, we've been very apprehensive. Inner critic comes and talks to you about all the different things, but you definitely can do it. Yeah. If you have liked this podcast, please, please push like and subscribe so that you can watch it on, and listen to it on any channel that you get your podcast from. Thanks, Rach, for coming and joining me. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. That's okay. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Very much so. (laughs) Thank you for listening. And I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.